Welcome to The Cloaked. We are a collective of inquiring minds seeking answers to mysteries both past and present. Join us on our journey to discover that which remains hidden. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cloaked. I am your host, White Owl, and today we'll be talking about something very interesting. And uh, along with our past episodes, we've talked about um, serial killers, and today it's no different. He was contestant number one in the dating game. Um, It was called the, The Dating Game, and he actually won. And uh, the interesting part here is the contestant, um, the girl who was in contest and picking a individual, uh, she got some weird vibes off this individual. And, you know, it was was one of those things that, you know, she went with her gut and she, you know, probably, um, to say the least, I mean, she probably did the right thing. And, of course, we're talking about the dating game serial killer, Rodney Akala. Um, and he he was a very strange individual. Um, you know, once you know and hear about his, you know, his, uh, his detailed uh, killing spree. Again, he was a very strange individual. Like any serial killer, you have their motives they have the reasonings or whatever you know these monsters um as some people would call them and these individuals who were horrific and the many things that they've done they were individuals who were obviously disturbed and rodney here was no different he was a monster to say the least and you know, it, it, and he is known as the dating game killer because he, during his mother, during his spree, he went on this game show uh, while he was doing all this. And it was very strange for him to do that. I mean, why would you go on to that? And it only tells you more about the individual that he was not afraid, that he knew he wasn't going to get caught. And he was cocky. And so, you know, he went out there to basically continue on with his uh, his murder spree. You know, one of his victims was a very young victim. And, and it's one of the earlier known victims. We're not sure exactly how many victims he had. But uh, Akla's uh, first victim was an eight-year-old girl named Talia uh, Shipro. Now, she was abducted on her way to school. And she was actually lured into the car. And what ended up happening is that uh, somebody saw this happen and alerted the police. Now, by the time they arrived there, um, Akala had already struck Shipro with a steel rod and had, unfortunately, he had raped her. And, you know, when all this occurred, they, you know, I, I guess they were able to find the location and they were, you know, at the door. And so what ends up happening is that he takes off through the back of the house and was able to avoid arrest and so he he wasn't apprehended you know he just was able to take off now he struck again 
and this time it was in New York and he lured a Transworld Airlines flight attendant at her Manhattan apartment and he was able to rape and strangle uh, Cornelia Crilly and so you know he struck again now the reason why you know this is some of the more well-known uh, cases uh, and victims that happened uh, with this uh, dating game serial killer is because that's what we were able to know and what it was able to be pinned on him. You know, was this what was able to be traced back to him? Um, mostly because, again, the way he uh, killed. You know, he was uh, he was a, a, a strangler type. Uh, killer, but and he used many methods for that. He also did some torture during his uh, strangulation, and so that's you know one of the things that he he did. Now again, like I said, he also abducted his victims, and his victims varied um, in in age as well. And so you know he was one of those people who had um, his victims were all women. And he definitely um, had this weird uh, strangulation thing. Well, now we're not sure where that came from. You know, it could have that could have come from anything, uh, really. Uh, but he had this fascination about uh, you know strangulation, and so that could be something that you know was and to many notions of of an investigation, this could be something that you know it. It excited him. It aroused him, and you know it was one of those things where it is possible that it had something to do with his childhood, of course. And so you know you look at uh, a lot of these cases and and his victims, you know, and another victim, you know, that same year in uh, in 1971, uh, two children at a camp uh, saw the FBI's wanted poster and told camp staffers that they had you know they reported seeing this guy and they were leading they led they led the the uh the fbi to uh to this individual now because shipro's family had moved down to mexico and uh, they wouldn't let their daughter testify now akula got off with a guilty plea uh and a lesser assault uh, charges and so he was able to evade the, uh, a longer sentencing for that. So because the little girl wasn't able to testify, again, he was able to, you know, get off. Uh, and that's that's the unfortunate part because, you know, his other victims after that, I mean, they, you know, that would have been, that would have been a nail in the coffin, so to speak. You know, he would have been sentenced uh, into prison for a very long time. And unfortunately, he was able to get out. Now, he went through a, uh, he was meant to be released from incarceration. And he, after he proved himself and in, in, to rehab and rehabilitation. Now, after the 34 months in 1974, he was released and then kidnapped a 13-year-old girl named Julie. Julie J, uh, as we're able to know from the court documents, um, said he forced her to smoke marijuana and then kissed her. He then, in spite of all that, he was found uh, guilty of giving a, a marijuana to a minor. 
And of course, he violated his parole. Now, then he was released after two years uh, from his, his sentencing. Now, in 1977, Akela got permission from his parole officer to visit relatives in New York. Shortly after arriving, um, he believed to have killed Ellen Jane Hoover, of, who was 23-year-old socialite. Um, now, her date book showed that she was meeting someone by the name of John Berger, uh, one of uh, one of uh, Ronnie's alias. Now, as we know, Ronnie had many aliases. Now, Mr. Akela uh, uh, went by many names, and that's why he was able to remain elusive. He went by the name of Rod. Uh, Jacques, uh, Rodrigo at some point, and so he was able to elude capture. Uh, and then, according to this individual, um, Miss Ellen here, uh, Jane Hoover, he was known as John Berger. Um, and so, again, he gave many false names and different aliases to many people. Again, this was one of the ways he was able to avoid capture. Now, he was then captured uh, and he was questioned about this. And so when he was uh, convicted, he was connected to some old aliases by the FBI. They questioned him. He then confessed to knowing Hoover, but denied committing the murder. Now, since her body hadn't been yet found at the time, they had to let him go. Now, he was questioned as a um, as a uh, convicted sex offender in connection with the Hillside Strangler. And this was back in back in the day with uh, the Hillside Strangler was out there. And now in 1978, despite his criminal record, Akele was admitted to the uh, bachelor number one on the dating game. Now, again, like I said, he went in as a professional photographer and he was able to win. Now, the contestant uh, who had won, uh, she didn't go on a date with him because she got some creepy vibes from him. And so, you know, and again, like I said, this is a very good thing is that she got this vibe from him and was like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going out with this dude. And she told producers like, hey, look, I don't want to go out on this date with him. Is that a can is that a problem? Can can I kind of avoid that? And of course, they said, you know, yeah, of course, you don't have to go on a date. You're not being forced to do that. Um, this is just a game show. You know, if you go on a date or not, that's up to you. That is for you to decide. And so, you know, because she, you know, was like, nah, you know, I don't want to go on the date with this dude. This dude's giving me some weird vibes. And of course, she made the right call. Uh, I mean, at this point, he had already murdered three, four people. And one of the things is why I said earlier on is that they didn't know or they weren't sure of how many victims he had. I'll get to that part here in a minute. And so, you know, he was one of those individuals who was at the time, like many other serial killers, described as normal. And he, to some women, he was a good looking guy and he was able to lure women in in the dating world. You know, it it's kind of, you know, tough to see somebody because, you know, as a 
when you see a serial killer, you don't, you, you, you're not going to be able to be like, well, that, that guy's clearly a serial killer. You know, serial killers look like normal, normal, regular looking people, you know, your everyday looking person. And so you're not going to look like a monster. So, and, and again, like I said, it makes things very difficult and it makes it even difficult more with the times of today with social media and stuff like that. You have your catfishes and stuff like that. So, you know, I tell a lot of people who, uh, my friends who are in the, in the dating world, you know, you gotta be careful with uh, people you meet online. Yes. You never know who is what or what they do outside of what you're able to see as far as social media or, or what the, you know of them. And you just never know really who could be a really bad person. And so, you know, with, with this guy, his, Last known victim was a 12-year-old by the name of Robin Asamso, uh, and who was abducted uh, from her ballet class in 1979 in Huntington Beach. Uh, her decomposing body was found by Sierra Madras 12 days later. And so you have here another victim, a very young victim. You look at you. You look at all this, and you're like, "Well, he's attacking people. He's attacking people that are not going to see it coming." You know, they're vulnerable young individuals that he's attacking that he knows is going to be able to overpower. Now, earlier in the day, uh, uh, some so's uh, disappearance, uh, Robin's disappearance, Alcala had been seen trying to get her and one of her friends to get into swimsuits for him to take pictures. Uh, but then he was chased away by a neighbor on the, uh, then that was a previous day before she disappeared. He had been trying to convince the two teenager girls to smoke marijuana with them. Now in the Los Angeles national forest ranger later testified that a man matching Aka's description, Ronnie's description, had been driving the same make and model of, of the car that he had been trying to lure girls down uh, to the stream back in June 20th. Now, on July 24th of that year, he was arrested uh, for uh, Robin's murder. Now, when the investigators searched his, uh, his mother's house, they found receipts of a storage locker in Seattle. Uh, which turned out to contain hundreds of photos of mostly young girls. And that's the part of what I was telling you guys is that nobody knew how many victims he really had because, you know, it it was very difficult. Now, so a lot of these photos were uh, these girls were uh, nude or dressed in uh, swimwear and he himself was present in some of these pictures now in the locker contained pairs of earrings of robin another pair that was found uh of uh, of different other girls that also found dna that matched another victim named charlotte lamb who was 30 year old woman who was killed in her apartment uh in the uh, laundry room and so that was back in 1978 And, you know, so he went into trial for these murders and he was, this is the part is that he was sentenced to death. He was found guilty and sentenced to death in 1980. The sentence was then overturned twice 
first in 1984 because the jury was told that uh, that about the previous convictions before the trial. Then again in 1986 on grounds that witnesses had been hypnotized uh, and so they were overturned because they were hypnotized. Now in while in prison, he published a book called titled You, the Jury, in which he denied killing Robin and poised another suspect. He also tried to sue the state of California a penal system twice. And he uh, once for a slip and fall accident and then while in prison and then for one for that he hadn't been given a low fat diet. And so he tried to sue the, the state. You know, it, this guy's ridiculous. Now, so in, 2000, in 2003, while a third trial of uh, Rodney was being planned, his DNA, which had been sampled during the time of in his prison time, he found him connected to two other victims. In 2010, Rob, uh, Rodney was tried for a total of five other murders. Now, the... Cases were that of Robin, Jill, Barkov, uh, Georgia, Wixted, Charlotte Lamb, and Jill Predato. Uh, he was also found guilty on all counts and currently is waiting death row in San Quentin State Prison. Now, in 2011, he was indicted to the, uh, the New York murders of Cornelia Crilly and Ellen Hoover and may be extradited to the state for in the future for that. Now, in December of 2012, the plea guilty on both of those murders. And then in January 7th, the following year, uh, 2013, he was given another life sentence. He's also believed to investigators to be responsible for a murder of a 19-year-old named Pamela back in 1977. Uh, and that happened in San Francisco. But he is... But isn't charged with it since uh, there are no fingerprints or DNA evidence that implements him in that case. Now, they're looking at him for 120 different possible um, victims, whether some of them, I mean, obviously they don't know if they're alive or not because these are pictures of different girls. Now, they found approximately close to a thousand sexual explicit photos that haven't been released as far as a for the um, for the investigation now many of these photos are that of nude women and I, be, I believe is more than 20 of those women have come forward and identified themselves uh, as girls being in the photos and uh, at least another six families have claimed that those photos contained members of their families that have been lost uh, and never found. One theory is that some of those people on those photos are unknown victims of Ronnie, which we've kind of figured that there was a very good chance that some of those girls are victims. And the, the women who did come forward were victims. I mean, they were in a situation where he took advantage of them. Now, in September of 2016, Akela was charged of the murder of Christine Ruth Thornton, whose body was found in Wyoming of 1982, five years after her disappearance. She was linked to him uh, by one of the relatives who recognized him from one of the photos. And so, you know, you have this 
people recognizing him going, hey, that's that dude who was hanging out with my relative who went missing. You know, you have this guy who was able to lure these women um, who had no idea who he was or what he, he was capable of. And it's very unfortunate to be in that situation where, you know, you think someone's being nice and is trying to help you out or whatever. And he, you know, takes advantage of, of, of the situation. What a fucking weirdo. I mean, honestly, you know, he obviously was up to no good out there trying to fucking lure his victims and, and as many as he could. Uh, and, and like I said, they found almost close to a thousand pictures of many women. You don't know how many victims are there. You know, there's at least 120 different individual women who were identified in those thousand pictures. And and it's unknown that if these women were killed by him, you know, obviously some of them weren't. But and others and other women may may be still alive, but don't want to be, you know, they don't want to come forward, which is understandable. But, you know, what about those people who those families that are missing those loved ones who were able to identify some of those individuals, their relatives, their sister or, you know, their, their mother, their their niece or, you know, they they have no closure. You know, they have no knowledge as to what happened to them. And, you know, it, and it goes back to a lot of the things that we've talked about whenever we talk about missing 411 cases is that. You know, you just never know what the possibility is. You don't know who is out there in this forest because here's the thing. I mean, he was out in these national parks trying to lure women to his campsite. Think about that. He was out there in these national parks trying to lure women. Uh, Some of these were young girls. And, you know, like we said, you know, kidnappings you know happen very quickly and a lot of times you don't see them coming so it's very possible that you know a lot of those missing 401 cases the serial killers that's that's been one of my one of my theories and so i think it's very possible that there are many serial killers out there visiting these national parks you know and, and that's why a lot of the times the fbi does get involved but, you know, some of those cases are very mysterious and very unknown. Again, like I recommend for you guys to go check those out. Very interesting stuff. You hear uh, Hoffman and and Sai and Pandora um, us talking about it. You know, a very wide variety of theories. But they're good theories. They're based on facts. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And share a like. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Laters. Thank you.